Kia and welcome back to Ravara Radio. Each week we pick a theme for our podcast and this week's theme is Game On. First of all, we bring you a story from Jack and Joe about their favourite video game and what happens when things get a little too real for them. Level 1, Adventure Time. Today is the 14th of June, 2018. The story begins with two boys. Tim, a 12-year-old boy with a head of unkept blonde hair and blue eyes, a slim face with freckles and acne. He has a skinny body but big shoulders. Then there's Harry, a tall 13-year-old boy with scruffy auburn hair and dark green eyes. He has large ears and white teeth with silvery gleaming braces. Tim and Harry have one thing in common. They love video games. In fact, they're playing right now. Come on, Tim, you can do better than that. I'm trying! Damn! Suddenly, something strange happened. The TV began expanding rapidly, leaving a gaping hole in the middle of the screen. The boys felt a sudden pull of force, sending them flying directly into the television. They both slammed into a thin metal platform. Tim hit it face first and got knocked out. Meanwhile, Harry slid down a thin tube and was separated from his buddy. How did we get out of here? See that guard over there? See if you can find anything that can knock him out. Okay. Here, look. This cell bar looks really loose, so if I give it just a little bit of a jiggle, ah, then voila, it's out. Hey! What? I got his keys. Can you let me out? Let's go, Harry. Tim and Harry looked up and down both ways. All they saw was a long grey corridor with shining steel beams lining the sides. This place felt to them as if it was sick, like a disease lay upon it. What do we do now? We need to find a way out of here. Okay, let's... Wait! Tim and Harry turned around to see a boy around their age in a cell. Please let me out of here! I've been knocked out in here for five days! I'm not mentally prepared for this prison! What's a guy like you doing in World War II? I was playing this game when it sparked me and sucked me in. We should let him out, Tim. Agreed. Thank you, thank you. I'm Ed, by the way. I'm Harry, and this is Tim. Now on to more pressing matters. How do we get out of here? Well, the way to finish the game is to assassinate the leader, so let's do that. Good idea, let's go. Wait, this is a stealth mission. We need to suit up. Good idea, Harry. Look, there's their armory. Well spotted. Whoa, whoa! Inside this armory were armoured suits and weapons of all types, from small knives to automatic machine guns. Look, stealth suits! Harry, Tim and Ed all got changed into stealth suits. Then they grabbed their weapons. Harry got a pistol with a silencer, Ed went for a small pocket knife, and Tim went for a large machete. Now how do we assassinate the leader without him seeing us? Guys, I think I found a way out of here. What? Where? Up there, it's a vent. It probably leads to the rooftops. Well, let's find out. So our trio of heroes climbed up into the vent, with Ed going first. He needed a lot of help from Tim and Harry. Next, Tim got up with Ed's help. And Harry, being the tallest and most athletic of the three, pulled himself up without a struggle. Surprisingly, Ed was right. It did lead straight to the rooftop. The trio of boys raced around the rooftops of the Nazi base, carefully avoiding the patrolling guards with stealth rolls and clever timing. Shh, there are some more guards, so we need to be quiet. Okay, do you hear that? 
No, what? I heard some people walking around. Over there, on the door, it, say, it says headquarters. That must be where Hitler is. What's the plan? Ed and I can take down the guards with these throwing knives, and Tim can take down the door after he has finished. I think, I think I see a hatch up on the roof. Maybe one of us can sneak in. Okay, let's go. Ugh. Ugh. I took down the door, Tim. Ah, welcome, boys. I've been expecting three of you. What happened to the other one? One of us died. I almost feel sorry for you, and I know what you're here for. Good. With a swift, sudden movement, Harry reached down for his pistol and shot Hitler right in the chest. Ah! Then Tim came flying down from the ceiling and stabbed him in the head for good measure. Yes, I got him. Yes. Yes, yes, it worked, it worked. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Ed. Oh, Ed's not here with us anymore. Hopefully, we will see him again. Tim and Harry went on, swearing not to tell a soul about the day that they got sucked into a video game. Video games. Are they helping or harming today's youth? We have even Taylor go head-to-head against Jordan and Nico in this great debate. I hope harmful wins. Level 2, The Great Games Debate. Kia ora and welcome to the first episode of The Great Debate. <laughs> the first debate topic that we will have today is going to be video games are ruining our society. On the affirmative side, uh, we have Eve and Taylor. <laughs> and opposing them, we have Jordan and Nico. Cool, we've flipped a coin and Eve's team is going to go first. So Eve, step on up to the mic. First up, we would like to point out what a time waster addicting games are. When you could be outside splashing in the puddles or riding your bike, instead you're trying to be a new high school or pass a new level on your computer, phone or television. As a kid, you would take every opportunity to play a game. But will get stopped in your tracks by your devices. Once you start playing, you never stop. The minutes turn into hours and you just spent a whole day inside looking at a screen instead of socialising with your family and friends. But when you're addicted, your parents can't even stop you from playing. That doesn't sound healthy, does it? Thank you. First of all, I'd like to ask, what are you going to do exactly if it's raining or you're home alone and you've got nothing else to do? Our first point is that video games are educational, especially history. One game that does this very well is the Assassin's Creed series when it comes to historic locations and timeline. For example, there is a mission in Assassin's Creed Unity on the 24th of December, 1800s. French military leader, who you may know, Napoleon Bonaparte, was the target of an assassination attempt known as the Machine in Finale. This is the name of the mission in the game, and your objective is to protect Napoleon until he gets to the opera from the royalists who were the enemy trying to assassinate Napoleon. This all happened in real life. You can Google it if you want to, if you don't believe me. Video games can teach history. I rest my case. (laughs) 
First off, just because it's raining in your home alone doesn't mean you have to play a video game. You could do something like board games, read a book, something educational like homework. Addicting games. We all have them. When you think about it, imagine how this is interfering with young people's school life. So many people get their phones taken off them during class time. This is not okay. Their time is being wasted on a pointless addicting game when it should be used for learning things that will help us in the future. For example, if you guys can remember back to when this class had eight phones taken away in one block. Think about it. The school has 22 classes and there will be 176 people distracted and not focused on their learning. This does not just affect us at school. When kids get given homework, it is more than likely at some point they will be distracted by the devices at home. The majority of people who don't complete their homework would probably have been distracted by their devices. Yeah. Our second point is that video games can help with dyslexics because the amount of reading you have to do, yes, video games do make you read, by the way, how video games help dyslexics is when a game reads out what's on the screen, even games like Street Fighter, you know, the you win and the finish him, just being able to see and hear those words can help a lot. A study by BBC News of 10 year olds who played 12 hours of action video games found it improved their reading speed without any cost to accuracy. The effects were equivalent to more than a year's worth of reading development. Okay, now for our final point. The money. According to The Guardian, Candy Crush Saga players spend about 1.33 billion on in-app purchases over the year of 2014. Just let that sink in for a minute. 1.33 billion dollars in one year. Jordan, didn't you say that your auntie spent $300 on Candy Crush in one day? This is just one of the many addicting games out there. That's billions of dollars being spent on these pointless electronic games. Supercell is a company that makes games including Ken Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, Boom Beach and Heyday. They earn $1.5 million every single day due to people buying in-app purchases. When this money could be spent on education, helping the less fortunate, and much, much more important things. Thank you. And our third and final point is that video games can make you a millionaire if you're looking to be a millionaire just for playing video games. Your best bet is probably to be a gaming YouTuber. It could take a couple years to get into the getting paid millions, but it pays off. I mean, imagine just being able to live in a million dollar ha house, buying supercars and having the best tech around. And I mean, eventually you wouldn't need to do YouTube anymore, but of course you still would. I mean, there are heaps of YouTubers who could retire right now, but they don't because video games are so much fun. Also, yes, it's not very likely to become one, but if you try, it can be fun and it will be a good learning experience for you to do. All right, interesting points have been made by both sides. It is now time for the rebuttal. Um, going back on some of the points you guys made, I'd like to point out that yes, 
that is very, very unlikely to com- become a professional video gamer designer. And also, you would make a lot of money there, but the most of the money that you make is coming from innocent gamers that may be accidentally pressing the button. We rest our case that video games are only in our society. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I'd like to point out Eve. One of those phones that was taken away in class was yours. Um, uh, and second, um, if you're home alone as well, how are you going to play a board game by yourself? And also, according to BigFishGames.com, 63% of parents in the United States of America, which, by the way, their population is 326,474,013 people, say that video games are a positive impact on their child's life. So if you're saying that video games aren't good for us, we think that there's at least 205,678,628 people who would disagree with you. Thank you, I risked my case. All right. Um, on the aside, the issue that video games are harming society, even Taylor support. Thank you. And on the side of the argument that video games are helping society, Jordan and Nico. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live inside a game? What are the characters doing when they're not playing the game with you? Up next is Anthony, Angela and Emily with some short stories on some classic phone games. Level 3. Bonus levels. Fruit Ninja must be the most exhausting game to be in. Those poor little things. They have to get chopped open repeatedly. It would be so painful. All that juice in your eyes. To be honest, I don't know why they aren't given any limbs. They can't even run. Could you even imagine being shot out of a cannon and not being able to stop yourself? I wonder where they get all that fruit from. I mean, there is a way better use than just slicing up fruit. I mean, what a waste. Wait. Maybe that's where all the pre-cut fruit comes from. Maybe secretly they have a business running that no one knows about. Maybe they're just scamming everyone into tricking them into cutting fruit for them. But they don't even get paid. I mean, come on. They're put through so much, at least show them some respect. I mean, it's really just common sense. But I can't even believe the parents allow their kids to play this game. It's so violent. It's a monstrosity of a game. I know it's just cutting fruit, and kids find the term ninja to be a very exciting, but when you actually think about the concept of this game, it's shocking. The graphic nature of kids beheading bananas and smashing apples to pieces will only encourage them to do this in real life. The Life of a Clash Royale King King Kevin slowly gets out of bed after another bad dream about dropping to Hog Mountain and losing heaps from there. He slowly walks over to the coffee machine to grab a morning drink. Being the clumsy person he is, he trips over his gold necklace for the 500th time. Slowly he puts on his revolver coat, a solid gold crown. Finally his belt with a gold crown buckle. Slowly he loads his cannon with 10,000 shots, knowing he will need to refill a few times if Steve wanted to be a world champion again. He was still 500 trophies away. 
You set the coffee machine to make a cup of coffee after every game. Then you climbed up the ladder to his tower. His two very experienced archers climbed their towers. Stacks upon stacks of cases were piled up around the towers. It looked like war was going to start between the kings. This was not a friendly battle. Our opponent played Skeleton Army. Kevin instantly zapped it. Purple liquid went everywhere. Now he could play his elite barbarians, the silver hem- helmets glowing off the golden morning sun. After a hundred battles and a hundred cups of coffee, he was relieved that Steve went, Steve went offline so he could relax. As his elevator shuttered to a stop, he'd already fallen asleep. The door slowly opened and he fell out onto his bed. Bananas. Why did it have to be bananas? Guy Dangerous thought to himself. He doesn't even know why people like them. He's sick of his family and friends saying nonsense like, It's full of fibre and potassium. He could easily think of other foods that include more fibre and potassium than bananas, like sweet potato or avocado. It's completely baffling to him how people enjoy making it into cakes, muffins, milkshakes, yoghurt and even baby food. The mushy, mealy texture is absolutely revolting to him. He says it is far different to much superior fruit, like strawberries and orange. Oh, sometimes he would kill for some apple or grapes, but it's bananas, bananas, and nothing but bananas. He has nightmares. I'm not joking. With the 12 hours he's not at work for, he mostly sleeps. Before Guy took this job, he had fantastic dreams of him with his family on the beach, and maybe him in Cotton Candyland, normal stuff like that. But now it's just nightmares about bananas. This job has seriously ruined his sleeping pattern. Other than bananas being the most haunting thing that has ever come to him, he has to run away from giant, four-legged, sprinting bananas. People call them monkeys, but they are nothing but gigantic bananas to him. And to be honest, years of running training to compete in the Olympics and ending up having a job like this has been the most disappointing thing to his parents. Guy thought this job would be great training for him to compete in the Olympics, And he thought bananas would give him lots of fibre and potassium and it would be good for him and everything would be great. But no, he never wants to see another banana again. He can't even go into the supermarket because he'll gag when he looks at the bananas. Guy always felt embarrassed about his job. He also knew he doesn't get paid enough. This game has also ruined his spirit for running and his spirit to eat bananas. Thank you for listening and supporting our show. Thanks as always to our teacher, Chris Johnston, who often says, We need to suit up. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks' time after our two-week break.